Ever wanted a career in football? At the Global Institute of Sport, you can now study a master's degree in football business or football coaching and analysis right here in Australia. GIS is the largest provider of sports degrees in the UK with campuses at Wembley and Etihad Stadium. Learn online with unique access to the iconic MCG and a big-hitting Australian industry network. Be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree and join GIS's global network of football leaders. Apply now to start in February 2023. Learn more at gis.sport.fnr. That's gis.sport.fnr. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Welcome, George Danikian, along with Bakur Frimpong. It's another episode coming up. It's been a week of football since we last spoke and can't believe some of the results, can't believe some of the excitement. Uh, your arsenal just keeps winning. <laughs> My Spurs have done all right until this morning Yes. when they ran into a little thing called Sheffield United. But you know what? If you don't take your opportunities when they come your way, what's what do we keep saying? You stand condemned yes. to suffer. Well, George, that's why I felt that I needed to wear the Arsenal kit today. Oh, just yeah. To, oh, yeah. And this, you know, this, this kit is from... Would you mind standing up so the camera can is, truly embrace Arsenal for the day? Look, this here is, it is. Oh. Um, the kit from the last time we won yeah. from the Invincible yeah. season, George. Yeah. And I just feel that we are oh so close. I, I don't... You know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to speak too much about, you know. No, because you don't want to jinx, jinx anything. We're not about to jinx it, but, yeah. you know, I'm just saying, George, good times are rolling. Oh, good times. You know, with everything that is exciting, with everything that is wonderful, there's also a little bit of sadness. Yes. Because since the last time you and I spoke, uh, John Walker Motson, I would suggest to you for quite some time, the Supreme Football Commentator for the BBC... Um, has come and gone. He, we lost him uh, last week after an extraordinary career. He gave us so much to enjoy, so much to savour. And um, I remember in the, in the early days, um, his, his challenges, uh, the way he, he embraced the job at hand. And you're a commentator. You're a young commentator in the making. You're doing your stuff for Paramount+. Plus. And it's those voices... It's those wonderful gems that resonate to this very day that are what I suppose each and every commentator dreams for. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's so interesting because so many people speak so highly of uh, John Watson. And I think that maybe I, I might be slightly almost too young to appreciate him fully yep. Yep. because because Martin Tyler was more oh, so Martin Tyler yeah, yeah. and Peter have more so yep. been the voice of my generation but speaking to people who listened to John Watson they spoke so highly of him and in his commentary style and yep. and how he was such a voice for a generation of football and, he was and uh, so many incredible moments that he you know did he was uh, a part of talk sport in in Britain he was part of the BBC sports team he he wore this um, sheepskin coat. Whenever they crossed to him, you'd, you could tell it was wintertime in Britain. Yes. You know what I mean? It was unmistakable. Would you call him a fashion icon, George? Uh, <laughs> fashion icons and sporting commentators. Now, there's something for you to live up to. I'm thinking you won't be able to wear your Arsenal shirt everywhere. No, I won't. I You'll won't, have to definitely. pick and choose select moments. But he was one of those guys, uh, Wickham Wanderers, 
famous cup tie with uh, Peterborough United back in 1990. Uh, and the trademark looks, the trademark uh, calls of John Motson, uh, they were just very special. And for a whole generation of football fans who will not get a chance to enjoy the, the Motson magic, I feel for you. Yeah. For those who did, whether it was Hugh Evans, whether it was Gerald Sinstad, whether it was uh, Martin Tyler, um, th- we've been blessed in the English-speaking language with a crop coming out of the BBC and ITV who really do love their craft and they've yeah. learnt it from not just the one sport, they've learnt it doing everything and that is, that is the magic. Yeah. The, the fact that you get to do a whole bunch of different things and you don't get into bad habits because you have to make an adjustment. We're talking snooker now or we're talking <laughs> racing, car yeah. racing or we're talking dogs and so on. And by the time they got to be the premier callers, they were a finished article and quite something to behold. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that um, I was listening to a podcast recently with uh, an, an NBA caller. Yeah. And uh, he was speaking about commentary and talking about what he thought was really, really important. And he said the key thing about it, it is that the audience feels that you love it. Oh, you absolutely. know your, your things. And I think that he, hearing that, that's something that, that's something that the best callers do. They, they, you, when you listen to them, they, they seem like they know everything and you're always shocked by things, but they don't bombard you with facts. They just quite simply, you know. I think uh, that's the magic. The, the magic that you don't bombard people or you keep repeating or that you keep repeating um, something over and over again. You, you, you say it once or you say it twice and that's it. And that should be enough that it will be remembered. Um, but it's seriously exciting. I can remember growing up and listening to a guy called uh, Alan McGilvray, who was one of the ABC's better callers for cricket in Australia. And he was a, the voice of a generation. Richie Bonneau was the yeah. voice of a generation. Now, Richie was a television guy uh, eventually, but originally started in radio. Alan McGilvray was the voice of radio. And the difference between the two, one, you have to tell me and set up everything on radio yeah. because it's the theatre of the mind, right? Whereas television, you're an add-on. Yeah. And it, or, are, oh, sorry, you should be an add-on. Yeah, we are behind To give the me wall. the fill-in. Yeah, we are behind the wall and we are just guiding the yeah, audience. taking us through. Yeah. And that was Bill Smith yeah. with that cross or Max Caputo just getting up on the back post there and guiding that header down into the goals. Uh, you don't have to... Uh, do any more it's yeah. the cameras when are you, there and they're in super hd just i, I haven't <laughs> i was thinking about richie benner on watching channel nine's cricket commentary and yep. uh yep. and uh yep. Yep. yeah yep. that was uh that was a, that was a good time but yeah there's been some some fantastic callers and and it's always sad when one of them passes because oh, it absolutely. is a it, it, you we almost you lose something but you also are left with the memories of, oh, of their absolutely. calls and that's absolutely. always a fantastic and, thing. and we have a number of gorgeous moments that are part of the Football Nation Radio uh, archives and every now and then you will hear the voice of Motson, you will hear Martin Tyler, Gerald Sinstad, Hugh Evans and others over the years who've called the game and given it such life and we have to go back to 1969, December of 69, in the snow when it was Everton against Derby County to hear the very first time John Motson would call yeah. the action and it was something very special a regular commentator on Match of the Day, and, um, you know, he 
He enjoyed his Arsenal matches too, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm remembering. But there, there was um, some very special moments. And Motson's commentary when Ronnie Radford scored the equalising goal um, a long, long time ago when, uh, you know, Hereford won this huge upset um, in, in, um, against Newcastle United when Newcastle was the power side uh, that Motson call just said it all. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> all right, enough of that. But um, our, memory, our memories, uh, just reflecting on our memories of Johnny Motson and things that young commentators need to remember and keep aspiring to. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we've got a special guest around about the 5.30 mark. It'll be uh, a man who has a very important job. Last year, his side was one of the hunters, right, in the NPL. Now they're going to be the hunted. Your former club. club, former media manager of the Oakley County. Well, ladies and gentlemen, how rare (laughs) air are we going to be on – you know, state of our football nation on FNR today, when we go back and catch up with Chris Taylor, who's started 2023 almost as they finished 2022, but now with the added info yeah. that I've got a little bit of inside knowledge sitting on my immediate left hand, this will be fun. It will be. Pakua, take us somewhere exciting. Back in a moment. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. And just a reminder for Pakua Frimpong that the Global Institute of Sport uh, is our sponsor each and every week on Football Nation Radio. Uh, what ever possessed you to consider a career as a football commentator? Um, that's an interesting question, George. Uh, I reckon... I, I love football so much that I, I wanted to be a part of it in some way. And I, I think I more so fell into commentary and was kind of pushed, but like not in a negative way, in a really positive way by the likes of Teo and Lockie and um, Josh and Nick, um, who used to be here at FNR with us. But uh, yeah, they pushed me into it and I kind of just fell in And they're all it. characters, the ones they that are. you've mentioned, and they all bring something very, very different. Who's your favourite commentator? Someone you look back on or you reflect on or you listen to as often as you can, not to, not to steal their style but to grasp the little gems that they occasionally drop that suggest to you, yeah, 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 that, that's a better way to go around I, and do what I'm doing. I, I guess maybe maybe Peter Drew, but that might be a simple answer. No, no, that's, I yeah. think he's the voice of no, the no, game. No, he, yeah, he's, um, he's fantastic. Right now. Yeah, and I, and I do love his... Um, his poetry in the way he like describes oh, yeah. describes moments, but I get it's weird because I love I love the I love football, but I also am a massive NBA fan, so I do love some of the NBA callers because Mike Breen, one of the um, commentators, he does do a bang bang when a big moment happens in the NBA, and I I find that fantastic because <laughs> you know when he says it, it's, it means something incredible's happened. There was a guy called I mentioned to uh, uh, mentioned his name earlier, Gerald Sinstad. And whenever, and you could tell he was a huge Liverpool man without saying it. Yeah. And you'd hear whenever there was a Peter Lorimer shot or, or, or Steve Highway from Liverpool in those days uh, would score a goal and it was a cracking drive, you'd hear, like a pistol shot, you know, and, 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 you, and, and you knew exactly what he was alluding to. Yeah. It hit the back of the stanchions and the thing is shaking like this <laughs> and you knew. 
it, it had some it had some uh, velocity, or as uh, Robbie w- w- Slater would often say on Fox coverage, he gave it some some violence, <laughs> you know, oh, which I think sometimes is a little bit too much. You know, bring it down as you touched on earlier. Just help us through, you know. Yeah, no, don't over don't over dominate. But radio is very different. Radio, you have to bring the energy, don't you? Yeah, you do. That's yeah. why you're so good at it, George. <laughs> you're always, very, you you're very sweet to say that. Uh, now, Chris Taylor coming up around about 5.30, yep. who's, of course, the, the man who's running the, the cannons, the Oakley cannons in the NPL. Uh, they're looking pretty good. You'll bring me back a bit more. And what was it like, your time there at no, it was, uh, Oakley it was great cannons? And, uh, How I, did you get there? I, I have to, you know, another FNR link up. But oh. this is, uh, I've got to thank Athos because when Athos. Uh, the great Athos yes, Syrianos. Yes, when Athos uh, headed up to Ararat to, to do some writing, uh, that he was doing the Oakley media manager role. And yes, he was like, yes, I'm of course, I've yeah. forgotten. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was like, oh, would you like to do it? And I was like, you know what? I would, I would like Why to. Not? Why not? And it was a lot of fun and went through a lot of good times uh, working with the Canons. I left shortly before, like the couple months before the finals, but just because I was really busy. But. It was a great time and some great plays and some great games. And uh, is there one game that stands above the others that you can remember that oh, just you know, you know really captured your imagination? It's so strange, but because they've won some big yeah, games over the last couple of years. I reckon my favourite game was probably the game we played against Heidelberg in the finals last year. Ferocious and came back, and that was that was that was such a fun game and. When it was just, oh, and then also the F, the Australia Cup journey last season was a lot of fun. Yeah, very and, special. Uh, yeah, that was that was yeah. We did so much. Such a long, such yeah. a long run, such and long run. and what was important too, Chris and the crew at the club had to keep the players yeah. that little bit longer. I mean, and when you plan a, a fitness regime, yeah, it's meant to be for six months or three months or nine months, whatever it is, and suddenly. They had to think of keeping them on and keeping them sharp, and that wasn't easy. As no. I'm sure Chris will give us a, a little bit more feedback when we get to him. So that's coming up. Let's talk about some of the games, some of the action over the past week. Overnight, of course, the under-23s played uh, overseas. Not the result we wanted. No. Uh, you might like to give us a bit more yeah, background. Yeah, no, it was uh, one The nil. match was on 10 played yeah, last night. Terry Pelletieri was doing the commentary for yep. that, and... I believe it was 1-0 uh, Vietnam won. They scored, I think, like in the eighth minute or something pretty early on and we were unable to, to come back. But we just didn't seem to generate enough opportunities. No. And, I've, and I don't mind when you see a side create chances. All right, you don't take them. You understand. It's a very simple formula football. Put it in the back of the net and you do it more often the other side, you win. Yeah. But – I also want to see a side create, create, create. Yes. I don't want to see occasionally what I see either at Melbourne City or at Manchester City. And you'll see possession, possession stats off the charts. And then you look and you go, I didn't see too much actual action. Whereas Arsenal currently in this rich vein of form that they're in, and it hurts me to say it, but I've I've got to be as realistic as possible. The one thing you cannot run away from is the enormous number of opportunities they create. Now, and the, and the day they got beat by Everton, it seemed to me that for the first time in the season, and I'd like to hear your comments on this, it seemed to me it was the first time that they'd been bullied. 
Yeah, it was. Um, did you get a sense of that? No, I did, and it was. And this is a team leading the yeah, the EPL. It's interesting because we we faced them against this this morning, and it was much like that for the first like thirty to forty minutes of the game, where Everton were pressing, like really forcing us to not play our game. We we had possession, but we, we were passing the places we didn't want to play, and we weren't linking up with the likes of Odegaard and Saka and Martinelli out wide, and it was, it was a long yeah, time yeah, coming. Exactly, in that Everton game, they really frustrated us, and we. We created, but we didn't create enough. And we usually have like three or four moments in a game where you're like, oh, they, that's... Was the go. difference that Everton didn't score this time first? Uh, in yes, terms of results? Yes, yes. And also the fact that we were at home. We, yes. I know that our, our home form as of late for the last like three, four games before this haven't been great. Yep. But we have been fantastic at home and it's been a fortress and the crowd has been really into it and the crowd seemed to really lift, especially in those 30, 40 minutes in this opening half yep. where we, we just... You need that energy, yeah, don't you? Yeah, we need that energy. Yeah, and yeah, when Saka yeah. scored, a wonderful goal was goal. Did you, did you, have you learnt um, in the time that you've been in the game now uh, just how different football is when you have a crowd yeah. and how different it is during or how it was during covid yeah. Where we saw them play their games, it was as if they were doing training sessions. No, right? absolutely. Suddenly, you add the crowd, and we've heard that we've heard the term the twelfth man, right, or the twelfth woman. Okay, suddenly you actually you actually understand it, yeah, because it really means something. Because it, that's home advantage, absolutely. And I think when we when we think about like moments in games where when in game state where it goes, there's lulls in the game, and the team your team is just down. And it's either you need a, one player to just really do a really something like a, a tackle to spark yep. some something or a chance to spark something. But now it's not just on the players; it's on the crowd to keep yeah, the side yeah, yeah. in they, the game they and, hear it. and feel yeah. that sense that okay, the the game is not really it's not really in our favor at the moment. We need to lift to push the players on, and and I think that that's something that Arsenal fans do at home really well, and I think that's something that Mikel Arteta does, and that's why sometimes on touchline he's a little bit bombastic and he's like, no no he's more than that yeah he's more than that he's <laughs> he's almost he almost creates a frankenstein monster on the edge you see him uh, almost like a boxer yeah uh, he's in that zone and i understand where you're coming from but i think it's more than the bombastic he he actually demands he's in that svengali role he wants to make sure that what he's seeing is exactly what they're doing yeah. and he is ferocious when they're not. And, of course, when the referee doesn't see it his way, yeah. you've seen some of the outbursts it, which have created some interest too. And I think by him, you know, sparking an argument with the fourth official, the, the, the players look over and they go, he's into it, he yeah, really yeah, says, yeah. I need to lift and that's what... Speaking of into it... Uh, by the way, it's uh, George Danikian along with Pakua Frimpong on State of Our Football Nation on Football Nation Radio. We're talking about the game. We've been talking about the EPL. And you're talking about crowds and how much they can make a huge difference and how much we've seen them do it. You can imagine now why so many fans are buying tickets to the Women's World Cup yes. coming up in, in July. Because suddenly we're not playing in England. We're not playing in, 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 in America. We're playing at home. What do you think that home ground advantage is going to do? Because we've just seen the Matildas play a tournament. Admittedly, not, you know, it was a, fr a series of friendlies, but they emerge victorious. What do you think? Can it be the catalyst for something really special? I Or will it be? I hope it is. Yep. I think the, the game we've got set up with France, uh, yep. 
the sending off match yeah. at Marvel yes. Stadium is going to be a really interesting test to see how much the Australian public will come out and show their support for the Matildas and how loud are they because Marvel is a big stadium. Oh yeah, that's and, true. And you know the noise will be will be a I, lot. I have been at Marvel when it was Telstra Dome, yeah. and I watched uh, a, a rugby union match between the Wallabies and the uh, and the British Lions. And it was a pulsating encounter. Um, and what made it uh, amazing was the 57,000 crowd that turned up. It was wall-to-wall people. But the contest was in the dispute until the very last minute when the Wallabies did what they needed to do. So that was great. And I've also been there when Victory yeah. have really come to the party and their, and their huge fan base were also... Was the first finals there? Uh, well, I'm talking about when I was there, and it was the night that I had Ferran Soriano, who was the CEO of the City Football Group. He had flown to Australia, and we were playing. We lost the game, and but that crowd was ferocious, and they were enthusiastic, and Ferran Soriano was sitting there having a look around, and his phone was ringing, and he didn't answer it once, which showed me that he was here for business. He wasn't here just to, you know, appear to show himself, you know what I mean? So very interesting. So I know that the ground has the capacity uh, in the right circumstances. And good question. Will they turn up? All right, that's the question we're going to pose to them. Will they turn up? Are you going to turn up and make the Matildas that little bit more special? Yeah, I I think they will. And I think it's – but also – it also comes down to if – which France side we see because obviously in the last – Injuries, yeah. Yeah, in the last couple of uh, like days and weeks – We've seen that, like the likes of Wendy Renard and Kototo uh, and uh, some other PSG and Lyon players, they've they've decided to step away from the France national team because they're unhappy with the current circumstance. So to see if those players who make France such an incredible side will show up and be such the forceful and dominant side that they are, if that is the side that we face, I think there's no reason why the Australian public won't Could show be up. An epic, huh? Yeah, it'd be an absolute. It'd be a great. <laughs> it'd be a great game to just. To just push I've people had, to, if they haven't got their tickets for the Women's World Cup, to go. I've had people ringing me up saying, uh, I'm going to be at the first game when Australia yeah. plays Ireland. I wish I got tickets. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. But that's the beauty of the game. When, when the matches are that important and the crowds get into it and they really will, um, it's just off the charts. Yeah. So Football Australia are excited. Um, I noticed that we're seeing um, some of our uh, refereeing teams getting an awful lot of support because we want to make sure that the representation that they make is just as good as that of our yeah. team. Uh, a lot of responsibilities there. I've noticed something else in the EPL in the last few weeks. I would say in the last month and a half, we're seeing new decisions, different decisions. <laughs> I'm seeing a different degree of uh, referees saying, no, that wasn't a heavy tackle. No, that wasn't a penalty. No, that wasn't a handball. 12 months ago, it was a handball. It was a penalty and it was a send-off. Wow. Yeah. What are you making of it? Am I right or am I seeing something that isn't no, I, there? I, I do think they are trying to let the game go, uh, you know, go on for a little bit longer. But I also think that they're hearing the voices of the fans. But I just want consistency. Look, I just don't want ticky taps. Yeah. Yeah. I saw young uh, Sacco go down the other day 
when a mosquito bit no, him no, see, on, his, on his forefinger no. while he was running through no. what appeared to be a little gap and he went down like he had been yeah. shot by one of those people wielding a rhinoceros rifle, you know, yes. and I'm thinking – Come on, Booker. You're much better than that. No, George, I, uh, because I watch more Arsenal games than you, I will not take that because <laughs> because I think, well, I believe it's the Aston Villa game or even the Everton game. Hey, even, our, even our gallery is smiling. No, no, no. Even, They're uh, smiling. They know that you've no, been no, no, touched. No, no, no. Every t- Bukayo Saka's ankles yes. in that Everton yes. Aston Villa game. You know, I'm going to ask Chris Taylor if you were like this at Oakley <laughs> no, Cannons. I, I was certainly more quieter. But um, no, it's. Uh, <laughs> more but. Uh, the Kaisaka is, is under. Pond. I'm telling you, George, I can't under, imagine you being quiet. I was much quieter, I promise. Yeah, uh, only because you didn't have a microphone, right, no, or a no, megaphone. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. Maybe the bathroom. Now, listen. Um, last week, uh, we saw the return of the A League uh, uh, women's. The the Liberty competition began, and an array of results. What did you make of them? Um, some really surprising ones, but some also. Very predictable. Was the surprising one the onslaught by Western United that just tore Newcastle apart? Uh, yes. Is that fair? Yeah. Uh, did they tear them apart or was did. it a poor they, day for Newcastle? No, I, I, I think that Newcastle have had a lot of poor days this season. <laughs> oh, gee. So, um, oh, gee, that was subtle. No, they, they, have, they had some poor I, – I was a massive fan of Newcastle start. I thought their attack was was really, really fun. So what's happened? Uh well, they've, They're they've, leaking at the back. They, they've been leaking at the back all throughout the entire season. Has so. it been injuries? Uh, no, they've had most wow. of. So they've been outplayed. Yeah, huh? they've, they've been outplayed, and they've switched, switched coaches halfway through the season. Oh, uh, that's never a good thing. Yeah, but um, Western United securing themselves further, you know, asserting their dominance at the top of the league. And, yep. and I saw I was at the Melbourne Victory Adelaide United game uh, at Amy. What did you make of that? That well, that game was um a lot of fun. I thought Victory probably should have won the game on the balance of play. Did, did the the Matildas players uh, return or were they given no, a so, week off? No, so uh, Alex Chidiak uh, is already overseas in yeah, America. She's, yeah, she's gone yep. back to uh, Kyra Cooney Cross. Did she play? No, so Kyra Cooney Cross has been in um. In Scandinavia, some Scandinavia. Okay, so she's not playing yeah, for the victory. No, no, not so. Season. Again, some, some yeah, so, big, but they've big, got, but they've big got holes them, there. Yeah, they've Have got, they been filled properly? Uh, well, they've got the likes of. I think Jeff Hopkins spoke about it at the press conference after about having to figure out what he needs to do with the midfield because now Alex Chidiak is gone. They need to figure out what their solution is at the number ten position. And she, he played Alana Murphy there, who's a really great young talent and. She's got lots to develop, and he's got some other options on the bench. So they that two two draw didn't kill them. It probably killed Adelaide and their chances of making finals. It makes it really really difficult into yep. the run in. But for victory, they are probably the most susceptible to fall out of the top four at the Is moment. Is that right? Yeah, well, they've got Perth Glory are hot on their tails, and they have uh, they've got a couple games in hand. So victory needs to start winning and. Uh, Securing some like and being sure and hoping that add Perth Glory maybe ease up because Perth are on a, a hot streak at the moment. Okay, so uh, the week's matches coming up this week that are likely to make a huge impact on uh, the the competition proper. Um, so this uh, this weekend we've got oh, well Canberra and Adelaide is pretty big in terms of like the top four, and if Adelaide beat Canberra, it makes Canberra's chances of making top four really difficult. Okay. Also. And for Wellington... City are back in competition. Yeah, who City, are they playing yes, they, this week? They're playing Newcastle, who have come, oh, come off a really on. tough okay. loss. And, oh, dear. And 
And the most exciting part about Melbourne City playing this week is that uh, Dario Vidicic said the Mac is... Uh, McNamara, uh, Holly. Holly McNamara is back. So Hello. that is really, really exciting. And, and uh, you've, I, been, you've been wanting this yeah, for, for, have, for a number of weeks. I have because... You know what she means, yeah, don't she you? Was, she's such a phenomenal player and it was so upsetting to see that she got that ACL injury last season and with, I think it was at Matilda's camp that she got okay. that injury. But it was... Um, She's such an intelligent player. There are a lot of players who are wingers, and you, you you know this, George. There are a lot of wingers who are just really fast. Yep. And they aren't technically gifted, but they're just faster than everybody else. So they, they seem to do look like they're doing a lot more. But Holly McNamara, she's fast, but she's not the fastest, but she makes really smart decisions on the ball and gets – the last season really worked to get Hannah Wilkinson involved in the play, and that's something that the City have really struggled with this season of getting – Hannah Especially Walker. in those tight games yeah. against some of the better teams, yeah? Yeah, and I think that that they're, if they're, Holly McNamara coming back, it fixes their issues up the front and it also means that their issues defensively will be fixed because there'll be movement up front so they'll get rid of the ball a lot quicker. Uh, notice some of the uh, young players have been picked in the, in the young Matildas side. A lot of players across the board. Uh, any surprises there? No, it's it, just it, almost at, yeah, on it's form. On, on form and, and, and same. It's pretty similar to the last camp that they had. So it's it's roughly the same. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, it'll be Chris Taylor, the uh, the man who's been running the Oakley Cannons uh, for the last couple of years and giving them uh, every reason that is the fans every reason to smile. Last last year, I can remember a scoreline that was five nil. And it was Oakley Cannons against South Melbourne. And there are Melbourne fans at Lakeside who don't forget readily. <laughs> oh, gee. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. If you're new to the caper that is catching up with Football Nation Radio, welcome. We do this and it streams not only across Australia, but across the world, it's uh, one of the joys of this new technology. Once upon a time in radio, if you didn't have uh, a super powerful dish and mega megawatts of power, it didn't go too far and not too many people listened. Um, they used to call them towers of power. <laughs> uh, these days, though, now we can be really you know, conniving and sneaky and just make sure we have good Wi-Fi. Yeah. And... Boost the signal around the world. You could do it from your phone if you wanted to. Sorry? You could do it from your phone if you really wanted to. Well, that's, yes. Yeah. Just goes to show show you how far technology is changing everything we do. We can now do ads on our phones. We can watch almost anything. The people are making with their new iPhone 14s uh, movies. Yeah. You grab half a dozen different uh, cameras Make sure you have uh, some organisation which requires a director and then have a what they call a series of storyboards which will basically guide you to where the action is yeah. and where you should put the cameras. And if you sort of time it okay, at the other end, all that's left is for a, ma- a magician called an editor yeah. to create magic. Because the truth of the matter is these great documentaries and these great movies – the most wonderful thing you can have is director or direction and a great editor or editors. 
and they are the ones that create the magic. I want to ask and you, the Foley artist who knows how to put the sound right where you want it. I want to ask you a question. Yeah, go for have it. A, uh, do you have a favourite football documentary or anything like that? I do. Uh, there are – look, that's interesting you, you, you should ask, ask that question. There are some fantastic ones. Um, I think the emergence of streaming gave us uh, light to an array of different documentaries that came out of uh, uh, Britain, primarily to cover what was coming out of the EPL. The EPL, of course, the global brand uh, and the global um, competition that captures everyone's imagination. It's also the richest one. Uh, this is why Europe is concerned desperately. We're hearing every other week, Super League, Super League, Super League. Well, the truth of the matter is there is a Super League. It's called the EPL. Um, and and the others don't want to be outsiders. They want to be insiders. And you know, as a young woman from Ghana, when you came to this country, the one thing that you and your family wanted to do was fit in. And that's what the rest of Europe right now wants to do. They don't want to be outsiders. They want to be insiders. So there's the challenge. And some of the documentaries that we've seen, um, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, um, uh, nothing. Um, uh, what's the name of the the doco that featured uh, Spurs at the time when Pochettino was there? Oh, um, uh, oh on, on Amazon? On Amazon? Nothing. Oh, oh, my goodness. Arsenal just See, did the last season. Even I, you. All or nothing. All or nothing. And we saw the, the, the efforts of Spurs make it all the way to the Champions League. Uh, you know, and lose to Liverpool. Were they the better team on the on the night? Probably. Were they the team that won the game? No, clearly. Why? Because they didn't score a goal when it mattered most. Uh, but someone who has become very accustomed to encouraging his team to score goals was a guy I remember as a fantastic coach at South Melbourne, but he's become a bit of a legend at the Oakley Cannons. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to your Football Nation Radio, Chris Taylor from the Oakley Cannons. Chris, welcome. Thanks very much, guys. They nice say you better. Man. They say better late than never. <laughs> I know. I've, I'm actually at the ground at, at uh, Oakley, so I thought yeah. I'd set up in the office. And uh, yeah, uh, done. we've got a great session tonight. So, Mate, yeah. you've done beautifully. Before we start, we started our program today talking about Johnny Motson. Can you give us your view, uh, a bit of a you know, a, a, a bit of homage, I, I would say, to a man who was the voice of the game for a long, long time. Yeah, look, I mean, it's uh, it's amazing. You know, obviously over here, people like Les Murray, you, you've grown up with with football. Yep. Uh, but if you're in the UK, John Motson, there were two or three big, big commentators, but he was so, such a, you know, like a voice that everyone instinctively heard, but he was linked with a lot of things. Uh, Kenneth Wilson, I'm going back a few years. So there's four or five of them, and uh, he was definitely one of the legends in, in terms of commentary. And uh, the thing that uh, that is about that is special about them is that they leave us with wonderful gems, and they resonate forever and a day. Uh, whether you hear a, a Motson call, whether it's a Gerald Sinstad, whether it's a Hugh Johns, uh, Martin Tyler, um, you know, all of them at some stage or other have done something. And Peter Drury is the new voice of the game that we love so very much. Um, and um, look, they're wonderful. They're absolutely Simon Hills when he's doing a good job, and uh, you know, taking the game to another level on television. It's just fantastic. You know, I can remember his call of young Timmy Cahill 
at the Olympic Games or was it no was it no World Olympic Cup? Games World Cup World Cup it was yes when yeah. when when we beat Japan that's right World Cup uh, again memorable call made even more special because Simon managed to get himself linked into that game and it became history fantastic stuff uh, speaking of history um, you guys have gone from um, you know hunters to the hunted how are you feeling. <laughs> Uh, yeah, look, it's look, it's great. I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoy my time at Oakley. It's 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 one of those clubs that uh, everyone endears to. Uh, very much a family club, um, you know. And it's you know, my time's there. I think it's four or five years now. Have, have been nothing but fantastic, um, you know. And uh, the fact that we we could get a trophy for the club was was unbelievable. And uh, yeah, just a nice way to uh, to sort of get the club up, up on that. Echelon that they've been desiring for so long, so it was really good. At the start of last season, the club set out to to win, to win it all, and that was that was the ambition. They were they were they were honest about that. Did that add pressure throughout the season, or was it kind of just you guys have already the players, the playing group, and you and the coaching staff have already had that thought process already? Not, I think the thought process has been there for a period of time. We've never been too far away. Uh, it's, it's like I've always said, you know, to, to actually win something, you need that little bit of luck, um, you know, and some clubs get it. Um, last year was just an unbelievable season. Um, not just the fact that we won a grand final, but, you know, we, we played in the Docty Cup, obviously didn't win that. Uh, but, you know, beating sides like Sydney FC and, and playing against MacArthur, the likes of Dwight York and... Uh, that that was great for the club, you know. We we had such a good run in the Australia Cup, and we we did it on a dare I say it, you know. We, we were quite limited. We, we we got young kids that came through, but you know, we we basically played with the eleven players for the whole season, and uh, that that was tough going at times. But um, you know, everyone endeared to it. We had a great dressing room, but you know, the culture within the club was fantastic last year. Uh, Chris Taylor is our guest on Football Nation Radio. State of our Football Nation is the uh, the program we do each and every Thursday. Pakua Frempong and George Danikian. Um, Chris, I've got to ask you, um, goalkeepers last year kept falling like nine pins at the Oakley Cannons. Is there something in the water or is the grass too thick for your keepers to run through? Because how did, how did you keep losing them? No, we, and have you I bought mean, any more for the new season? Well, we're in the same boat as we were last year. So uh, Nick Feely uh, has been our number one keeper for the last two or three years. Um, he played against Melbourne Knights, but done his quad again in the, in, in the warm-up. So he's probably going to be out for 10 or 12 weeks. Uh, young Lockie, who played five or six games last year, uh, had a shoulder reconstruction. He's he's on the mend, but probably a little bit psychological. Um, so we've, we've been flying um, Italiano in again, as we did last year, uh, which is, you know, th- th- that's where the club is, is fantastic. Um, and then we, we back right down with the young kids. I mean, we uh, we put a 13-year-old out there against MacArthur. <laughs> we at the we end, remember. Which, we remember. Yeah, you know, probably... Uh, Probably added a little bit of spice and got the club in the headlines, but um, you know that, that that was he was actually on the bench. He wasn't on the bench because you know we were trying to make uh, the Guinness Book of Records. He was on the bench because that was the next available goalkeeper in the club. Those memories of that young man, and he'll have them for the rest of his life. That's just wonderful. 
um, but it also gives him something to understand what's at hand and if he wants to make a name for himself in the game, he's got hard work to do. Um, just go back to that game against MacArthur. Uh, Dwight York is no longer there and he's had a bit of a, a, a sort of swipe at um, the A-League and essentially the administrators. He thinks they could do so much more to help and boost the game. Your thoughts on that? Because there are a lot of things currently in the wind. The MPL teams all being asked by Football Australia if they want to be part of what promises to be an exciting next phase, and that is A-League 2. Yeah? Um, what are your thoughts on, on Dwight York's commentary? Look, I look, I can sympathise with them at times because I think we can be amateurish in the way we do things. Uh, but I also think... There's a lot of people put a lot of hard work into the game. Um, I think where we struggle a little bit, we're not the number one sport in this country, uh, where there's probably soccer or football, as it's called everywhere else. Right around the world, it is the number one sport. We're mm. probably back down at five or six, you know, um, you know, in terms of rugby. There's two rugby codes. There's a cricket code. Basketball. AFL, basketball, there's so many different codes out there that makes it very, very difficult. Um, And the competition is really for, you know, getting onto mainstream TV and and getting advertised that way Um, and, and, you know, building your crowd up that way. And I think that's where we really struggle uh, and and are going to do so. I think the the A-League's done some great things, bringing some good players out. Um, they've had some good times, but I think they're struggling a bit now when you look at the uh, the crowds that they're attracting, and that's always going to be the problem in a country like Australia at the moment. I think yeah. we, we develop good players. You know, we've got some very good players. The, the, the showing in the World Cup was phenomenal. You know, Graham Arnold, you know, needs deserves a good pat on the back. You know, uh, he's introduced a few new players. I mean, my, my club in the UK suits has just been signed uh, at Leicester. Um, so we're developing some good players now. Um, but how do you transpose that and get that on mainstream TV? It's very, very difficult. Chris, you're, you're, you've been a long-time coach. You, you were also part of the game before that, before you became a manager and a coach. Um, what do you make of uh, the arrival of Harry Souter in the EPL? Uh, everyone's been lamenting the fact that we didn't have enough players or we didn't have any players in the EPL and uh, football, you know, especially our, uh, our socceroos were like, uh, and of course they exceeded all expectations, which was the most wonderful thing you could do in Qatar. Uh, so what, have you, what, do you, what do you think about Harry? Um, is he going to make um, huge strides and will he make the sort of headlines we need to further promote the game down under? Yeah, look, I definitely think he's, uh, you know, he's he's already excelled already over there. You know, a lot of people are talking about him. Um, and, and that's what we need. We need the Socceroos going and playing at the best levels we can. Um, you know, we're doing very well in developing good players in the A-League. Um, but the next stage is for them to go overseas and, and make the mark over there and play in some of the, um, the top leagues in the world. OK, talk to us about the new season of the NPL. Uh, we got young stars coming along. Have you got some terrific young kids that you have an eye on that maybe haven't quite broken through but could well, given opportunities? Yeah, look, I think we've, um, we went through a stage last year, you know, where we had a lot of injuries. Um, I think we had three or four players that uh, retired or went back to, you know, some interstate boys went back to where they were from. 
Um, we've probably signed nine new players this year. So it, it, it's, a, it's a big transition for us. Um, I think we signed some players that are, you know, big name players, but we've also signed four or five young boys uh, from interstate and around the place that um, that we're hoping will be, you know, go on to bigger and better things. And obviously having Joe Knowles play in the A-League this year, uh, coming from Oakley, uh, that's the intention this year, that we, we probably can push two or three up to the A-League and, uh, and support football in this country, which is what I think everyone in the NPL wants. Uh, there's a guy called Todd Bowley who've got about 30 players at Chelsea and he can't buy a win. Uh, you've brought up nine players. Um, how many of those are you going to fit in? Is it three, four, one or two? I think uh, I think we're up, up. We played last week against the Knights, the Melbourne Knights, and I think we had um, three three or four players that played last year in, the, in, the, in our season last year. So that's a big so turnaround. That's probably seven players that Whoa. no players played. Yeah. So what's the secret? What what is the secret about bringing new talent in? I, I, I think uh, I think the MPL in Victoria is probably the best competition in in the country, um, and um, I think it's the stepping stone. Everyone sees it as a stepping stone to the uh, to the A League, and and I think that's that's our duty. We need to be looking at you know trying to promote players, give them the platform to go to the next level, you know, and obviously having a good season like we did last year and playing in the Australia Cup, players do get noticed and, um, you know, that, that's what we hope for and that's how we try and attract players to our club. And I, I want to, sp- thinking of like that, that that thought process, a player like Anthony Pantazopoulos, who for me was such a breakout star, and I thought he was he was asked to do many different roles, playing as centre back and then playing, you know, as a full back, and got called up to, you know, train, you know, got national team selection for his age group. But how have you seen his development? Because I thought he was a fantastic player last season. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we, we've, we've probably got four or five that we're looking at. You know, Emily Wellsmore's come across from Port Melbourne. We've got Brodie Boyce come down from Queensland. Anthony, you know, a couple of others. Um, it's it's about giving them the right environment to to ply their trades. They're going to make mistakes, and that's what we want. Uh, but we want to assist them in developing. And sometimes it's a mature thing. You know, Anthony, I think he's 18, probably turned 19 now. Um Football-wise, he's got everything that he needs to go to the next level. Um, it's just him being consistent in his gameplay, um, where someone spots him and and he has the opportunity to go. And um, I think the big thing that I think is probably missing at the moment is I think we should play parallel with the A-League. Um, and then players then will probably get the opportunity if, if there's a player at victory, for example, that's injured, then... They've got a ready-made player to to pick up from the MPL, uh, which is the way I see football being played. Um, in every country around the world, they have all their competition played at the same time. We, you know, we we've got it at opposite ends of the scale, and I don't think that's that works well for football. You know, that's, that's only an opinion. I'm not saying I'm not crit- criticizing in any way. But if the MPL played at the same time as the A League, I think you'd get a lot more players get the platform to go to the next level. No, see, I I, I, I think I, I agree with that because I think that this was something that the gap in Because football, you're in the window. Yeah, no, but That's the, what something, Chris is saying. Yeah, something, something about the gap in football in this country is that football is some, sometimes seems like a Friday to Sunday thing and not a Monday to Sunday thing. Yep. So we don't talk about it during the week. And if it was 
parallel, like you're saying, Chris, then you would have to talk about it because Absolutely. you're thinking about NPL, then you're thinking about the A-Leagues, and you're thinking about all these things that are constantly happening. So there's always something to talk about Monday through to Sunday, and you're not just thinking about Friday night, oh, there's an A-League game on or there's an NPL game on. You know. That's what the AFL does. It, it soaks up all the oxygen on the planet, uh, and there's nothing left for any other sport. Uh, but you're, the point that you make and the, the point that Chris makes is right on the money. Right on the money. We are the fifth, sixth sport in everybody's sort of mindset. And somehow uh, we've got to push it further up. Of course, basketball was in the uh, uh, was a basket case for about 10 years. And uh, after having a fabulous time during the 80s, now they're coming back. They've sorted their problems out. Basketball, sorry, baseball's also doing that sort of thing with the arrival of the Melbourne Aces in a very different light. So you're right. We're being pushed constantly to come up smart, to play the sort of football that the Oakley Cannons. I mean, you didn't just beat South Melbourne last year, Chris. You announced yourselves in the most wonderful fashion. Dare I say it, 5 0. How did you feel being a former South Melbourne coach? Look, look, for me, uh, everything's about being humble and that's what we tried to convey yeah. to our players Brother. this year. You know, I mean, it's great to win a grand final, um, but, you know, South had a great season. They did. Uh, finished up at the top of their home and away. Um, so they deserve some sort of credit. You know, coming into the finals, we were, I thought we were on fire um, and, and we expected that result. You know, that, that that's not taking anything away from South Melbourne, but I, I felt we were up, up for it. Um and what a nice way to do it. You know, Oakley's tried to, to win it over a number of years and I think they've played in three or four grand finals. Um, nice way to win it, but, uh, but by the same thing, you know, let's be humble about the whole thing and uh, enjoy it. You know, take take what we, you know, we want it and uh, fair and square, but uh, but there's no no point in humiliation or anything like that. That was I was there that afternoon. That of course was, you were. That was, in what capacity were oh, you no, there, no, I wasn't. I, I, was, I was just there as a fan and that was... Such an incredible, incredible afternoon, and I, I thought we had scored one, and I ran, George. I ran, and I thought we'd scored, and I looked like a fool. But you know what? We won that day, and I was very, very happy. But I want to ask you, Chris. Obviously, the grand final is such an important moment, and it's it's incredible. But there were so many other games, like the Heidelberg win and the, the Sydney FC game. What out of that like run? What game stands out to you as like that was that was the magical moment? Um, look, it's a tough one because we, we had some games that, you know, you look back and think, you know, everything went for us or went to plan, um, including the grand final. But, you know, for me, if I look at one game and say I'll remember that for, you know, and I think the club will as well, was the game against Sydney City where, well, sorry, Sydney FC, where, um, you know, we, we were we were very good, but we were good for the win. It, it weren't that we got lucky and, you know. No, no, you didn't get lucky. You were terrific. You were terrific that night. There was a, there was a ferociousness. There was a deep abiding desire that you were going to win that game. And when you see that on the pitch, whatever sport it is, you know there's something happening. And uh, lo and behold, uh, you turned it on and you had a national audience. That was fantastic, Chris which makes it even more exciting. Uh, before we go, before we wrap this up, and once again, thank you very much for joining us uh, at such short notice. We know you have a number of responsibilities, especially at work. Um, people don't realise that um, MPL coaches also work as well as coaching. So, uh, you know, in, in many respects, it's, uh, it's um, 
plenty of hours of commitment and focus, and we, and we thank you very much for doing this. But you've got a game coming up this weekend. The competition's back up and running, and you've started hot and strong. Um, what are you looking to see this weekend? Yeah, I think we were we were very disappointed last weekend. We uh, we dropped points to Melbourne Knights, who who played very well, you know. Uh, but they're not they're not an also ran. They're a very tough team with a great reputation. Yeah, yeah. We and but we 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 did enough to have won two or three games last <laughs> week, and uh, with the chances, uh, their goalkeeper uh, Chris Oldfield had an outstanding game, uh, which which is what football's about. That's what he's there for to make saves. Um, but, you know, we felt we dropped two points last week. So uh, we've got a very tough game away at uh, Danning on Thunder, one of my old teams. So that's going to be a, a very hard game this week. But uh, we're looking forward to it. And um, hopefully we, we, uh, we, we, you know, do what we achieve or set out to achieve and score some goals and uh, don't concede too many and, and come away with the three points. That's what it's all about. That's normally the magic formula, isn't it? Yeah, uh, before before we, we let you go, Chris, you did speak earlier about how many new players the the, the side has got in. Because I was looking at like the the game from the Knights the Knights squad, and there was I think like three players like Guest, Pantasopoulos, and Feely who were who were there last season. But you guys got your business done really early in the like really early in the window and got lots of players in really quickly. Did that help you get them settled in and get that fast start in the first the opening round? No, look, we, you know, I, I've basically written off the first eight or nine games. I think it's going to take us a while to gel, and and for different reasons. You know, I think we've we've looked good in patches in games, we've made some mistakes, but you know that will come later on in the season. Um, you know, when you integrate so many new players, but um, you know what's pleasing for us so far. I think the dressing room. We had a great dressing room last year. Um, and that's what we've tried to replicate. So we've targeted certain players that we know will come in and add something to what to what we've got. And I think we've done that very, very well. Um, you know, you don't always get it right, but, um, you know, it, it's quite pleasing what we're seeing at the moment. Uh, people around the club are excited. So, um, you know, and that's what I've got a duty to to the supporters to to try and play good football, you know, and, and encourage people to come and watch us. And, um, you know, I think... I think this could be a very good season for us again. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to to watching more of Brady Boyce. I think I thought watched him in the opening round. Thought he was really, really good. So that's just me. Um, just before I let you go, young young guy called Ange Postacoglu did okay over the weekend uh, with his Celtic squad again announcing themselves as champions. Um, are you thrilled for him and uh, what he's doing for the game, and also how he's putting Australian coaches or coaching uh, on the world map, yeah, look, I think uh, he deserves uh, every accolade he gets. Um, he's proved a lot of people wrong, and we, we all know <laughs> what he, he went through. You know, he was a very good coach. Probably got criticised untoward, uh, but uh, but he's bounced back and bounced back in a massive way. And um, no one can, you know, uh, disagree with some of the things he does. You know, for me, he's uh, an uh, EPL coach in the waiting, um, and he'll get a good club. So, um, and that's good for for Australian football. He's one of our own that's that's done really well, and and I think we can only, uh, you know, go along with the ride with him because he is he is one of the the greats of all time, and and he'll go down that way. But uh, I think he's still got a lot of unfinished business, and I'd love to see what he does in the EPL. Um, 
Chris Taylor is the man talking uh, a lot of good sense there. And can I just tell you, interestingly, Alan Brazil, who only last year or so was the man who scoffed when they said, uh, you know, Ange Postacoglu was going to be the new coach of Celtic. And he went, Posta who? Uh, He was on air the other day on Talk Sport in Britain. And he said, Leeds, if I was going to put a coach in tomorrow, if they survive, the the person I'd put in there is Ange Postacoglu. And I'm thinking, oh, how far we've changed our opinion in less than a year. Isn't it amazing, uh, Chris? Hey, how he's changed the the, the name of Australia. <laughs> yeah, what 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 is interesting as well is Alan Brazil actually played in the old National League. Yes, he did. Probably played against her. And and so, uh, yeah, that's he's probably turned him probably turned him a couple of times, yeah. and and Ange probably cut him off. <laughs> yeah, no, so that's uh, that's quite an interesting comment. But uh, look, I think Ange. You know, he he proves everyone wrong all the time and keep doing that right the way through. Yes, look, I still have forgotten it a long time ago uh, on SBS, a young guy called Craig Foster. Had a, had a bit of a, a go at uh, young uh, Ange Postacoglu and uh, and Les Murray and and Craig were, were were asking some serious questions of Ange, saying, "Why aren't you winning? Aren't, why aren't your teams winning?" Well, um, you know, they're all now changed their opinion, and if Les and if Les was still with us, he would certainly doff his cap and say, "Ange Postacoglu, uh, Ange you beauty." He's been phenomenal. Uh, Chris Taylor, thank you very much for joining us and once again giving us of your time. Good luck with the squad this week. Dandenong Thunder and it's Oakley Cannons. So, and you're playing away from home. It'll be on for young and old. All the very best. Thanks, guys, and all, be- all the best with the program. Thank you. Thank you. Chris Taylor, coach of the Oakley Cannons. So there you go. How do you feel there as an old Oakley yeah. Cannons girl? George, George, when he was talking about the games, you were do you know what's, you know what's so smiling. weird? Do you know, know what's so weird? I've forgotten some of these games. Like, I've forgotten <laughs> the Brisbane the Brisbane City game, and I remember how, like, Nick Nygoran scoring those two. Like, I've just, like, they just came back to me while we were talking, and I was like, what a great couple of like months that was. Just oh, it was a great time. It was fantastic. I expect you to wear some Oakley Cannons gear next get, week. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm a, bring one in next I'll week. Wear my beanie. I'll I might wear. even wear one. You never know if it if it fits. Thank you very much for joining us. State of our football nation on every Thursday on FNR. George Danikian along with Pakua Frimpong. Until next week. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR.